Hey, um, so uh, for those of you who don't know, you might be visiting. My name is Joel, and uh, I've been a part of North Lakes uh, since day one. Mum and Dad uh, were on the team that, that started this church. And, um, and so this is, this is really home to me. And uh, I've been, uh, as Beachy was saying, Luke, Jess and I have been away for a little while um, over in America doing some music stuff and, and touring around. And, and we've, uh, we've had some amazing experiences and it's been, a, it's been a big three months. We've seen God do great things. Um, we've needed God in low times and we've, need, and we've seen God in the, in the highest moments. But um, it's been amazing. And again, I say, if you, if you want, would love to talk about it, come and, come and talk to us because we love to share what God's been doing in our life and um, what we've experienced over this time. Because as Beachy said, we go from North Lakes and um, we, we truly, this is home to us. And uh, I, I can only really speak for myself, but I've, I'm sure when I say this that Luke and Jess are in the same boat, that there's nothing like coming home. And uh, there's nothing like being amongst our North Lakes family. And uh, I don't know if you've gone on a, on a trip before. I don't know if you've gone on a holiday or anything like that. And, but you go away and and you've had a great time, and, and it's all good, but then you fly in, and you look out of the window, and you see Sydney, and uh, there's just this real sense of, of I'm home. There's this real sense of I'm coming home, and, uh, and nothing can beat that. The Eiffel Tower can't beat it. Um, the, the Grand Canyon can't beat it. Uh, the Niagara Falls can't beat it. There's nothing like seeing that Sydney Opera House and the harbour when you're flying in and just thinking that I'm home. And I had that feeling when I was flying in. And, and as I was driving here this morning to church, I had the same kind of feeling. And it was like, it was like I was coming home. And uh, it's not necessarily about the building or it's not necessarily about the, the walls that, we, that we're in. It's all about where we, who we're with and who we are surrounded with and the family that we are surrounded with. And, uh, and the presence that we're in, the atmosphere that we're in. And it's like today... My soul was coming home. My soul was, was I could see the, the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge as I was coming in and my soul, and it feels like that sometimes. I don't know if you've been there, but when you've had a big week or you've had a, a big event in your life and then you know that church is coming, you know that this time where we, we put aside to, to spend time in the presence of God is coming and it almost feels like your soul longs for it. Your soul wants to be in the presence of God. And if you're visiting today, I want you to understand that you don't sit amongst people that are striving after religion. You don't sit amongst people that are, are, are just running after earning God, God's love or anything like that. You're sitting amongst people that are in awe of a relationship, that want a relationship. You're sitting amongst people that understand that we are imperfect people, that we are broken people, but and we need a saviour. We need, we need a saviour. And so we are all about a relationship here at North Lakes. And, and uh, I just wanted to start off by saying that, that I'm up here today not to preach religion at you, not to preach rules and, and regulations around what it is to sit in church or be a Christian. But I'm up here because I am 100% after a relationship with a loving God, with a loving Creator. And uh, I, always, I always am honoured and, and it's a privilege to be asked to speak. It's always an honour and a privilege to be asked to do this. And it's something that I don't take lightly. And um, so when, when I was asked to speak, I got uh, sent the list of 
of the messages that were coming up and, and uh, this series that we're in is Hold Nothing Back, All In, Hold Nothing Back. And I was like, I was excited and, and I got sent through the, the weeks and, and the themes of the week and obviously we had the, uh, the widow who held nothing back and then the father who held nothing back, the prodigal son, and I was kind of like, oh, awesome, I'd love to speak about that because, you know, the, we've got this, this awesome story about this, this son who takes his inheritance and runs off and squanders it and spends it and parties and, and does everything. And, and then he, he gets to a moment where he has nothing left and he wants to go back to the father and he doesn't think that he deserves it and he doesn't deserve it, but he runs back and the father accepts him in. And I was like, I want to speak about that because that's an amazing story. And, uh, and then I looked to my week and it was um, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And uh, I was like, okay, all right. We all know this story. And I looked on and I started to research and Google, every Google thing that was on was Sunday school lesson. Sunday school lesson on Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sunday school lesson. And I just kept going through and it was like, how am I going to bring something to adults or the church when all I can see is that this is the Sunday school story that is the most popular Sunday school story I could see. So I've got some colouring in pages. We're going to all have a Sunday school lesson. But as I dived in and as I started to read this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, I started to begin to realise that there is so much in this story for us today as individuals and as the church. As individuals, we are the church and I think sometimes, I know for myself, it's easy for me to, to blend into the church as a whole and kind of lose my identity and that or lose my individual um, kind of nature in it because I'm like the church as a whole. But sometimes we need to step back and think, no, you are the church. The individual is the church. And this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, as I read it, there is so much in it for us as individuals and as Christ followers, that we can draw out of this. An interesting thing about this story is that there are two miracles recorded in all four Gospels. There's only two that are mentioned in all four Gospels. One is the resurrection of Jesus. And the second is this miracle where Jesus feeds the 5,000. These are the only two miracles that are recorded in all four and so there's got to be something in this story. There's got to be something in this miracle for us to learn from today. It's not just a Sunday school story. This is an amazing miracle that Jesus did. And I want to, I want to read it and, and I want to kind of bring some things out that, I, that Jesus really spoke to me about. And as I prepared this message, I want you to know that I don't stand up here majorly confident. I don't stand up here thinking that I have it all together. I stand up here battling with comparison and battling with, am I good enough to be standing here? I spent this morning doubting myself because of the fact that the way I speak is not like some other people and, and everything like that. But Jesus, as I was standing here, he said, no, you are right where I need you to be. And what you have to say is what I need to be said this morning. And for everyone, it's, it's the same thing. You might be sitting here thinking that you, 
you're not good enough because you're not like someone else. But Jesus is telling, telling you today that you are good enough and what he has given you is enough. And I want, I'm the example of that this morning. I'm the example of the fact that when you have, all you need is Jesus. And if you can step out of the way, Jesus can take over and can work through your life. And so we're going to turn to Mark 6, verse 30. And this is the story. I think it's going to be on the back screen. But I want to read the story. I want to read the verse. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could go be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along to the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because he because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. One thing I just want to stop for a second. One thing in the context of this, this story and this miracle is that Jesus was actually retreating to mourn the loss of his friend John. He just found out, he just received news that his, his good friend John the Baptist had just been, just been murdered. And he was actually retreating to have some quiet time. But he sees, he sees the crowd and he has compassion on them. And I know that there's an example for us to really take from that right there. Is that Jesus is setting the example and saying, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, still have compassion on those around you. Jesus was mourning, but he saw the people and he showed compassion. And there's a lesson in that for us as the church, that it doesn't matter what we're facing, what we're going through. If we see a need, if we see people that need love of Jesus, we need to stop and show them the love of Jesus. And so Jesus stopped and he he began to teach them. And it says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them with what they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked upward toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets left over of bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to get into it. Lord God, I just, right now, I step out of the way. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak through me today, that your words will, will be spoken, Lord Jesus. We need you. We're not after religion. We're not after 
striving to earn it, Jesus. We need your spirit and we need you, Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that your spirit will flood this place and that we will learn and we will receive from you this morning, Jesus. Amen. I thought it was funny. I was down there and, and, and I was thinking about the fact that I'm speaking about this and I look up and there's the five loaves and two fishes up on the, on the emblem of the school. And I thought that was just a cool little touch. I think Jesus just has a little bit of fun sometimes. And uh, he's, he's got a sense of humor. The one Sunday in the last 10 years we leave our venue is the Sunday that that's up there. That, that was cool. So we read and we see that, that Jesus was teaching and the disciples saw a problem. The disciples saw a need. And, uh, and, they, and that need was a great need. It was that the people were starting to get hungry. And uh, as you know, if you've been hungry before and you've been listening to someone speak, it's a, it's a problem and uh, it needs to be fixed ASAP. And so the disciples saw this problem and they go to Jesus with a solution. They go to Jesus with what they think is, is the solution to the problem and they say, Jesus, you're speaking, but I won't, I, we think that you should send these people away to go and get food. We think that you should send these people away to, to go and fix their problem of being hungry and then they can come back or they can then be okay and they can keep listening. And, and Jesus' response to them was, was an amazing response and is, is really, really important for us today. Jesus' response back to the disciples was, you do it. You feed them. Don't send them away. You feed them. And I think I was reading that and I was reading that, that line and, and it just hit me right here. And I think the disciples so often represent us as the church where we see a need or we see a problem and, and our first thing to do is, is to send them away to fix it. But Jesus here is the example and he says, no, don't send them away. You feed them. You fix it. And in the world today, the church has a reputation of that. We see a problem. We see a need. And for some reason, the world thinks that we just want to say, well, you go off and fix it. You go off and do something about it and then come back and then we'll be good. But Jesus is saying, no, I don't want you to send them away. I don't want you to send them off. I want you to fix it. You've got everything you need to fix it. And the church today, we need to have that attitude. We need to have the attitude of if we see someone walk through those doors. How often is it that someone will walk through those doors and they have a need? And, and I speak as from a personal thing here and I'm happy to pray about it. I'm happy to pray that this person will go and find a job so that they can feed their family or that they, they can afford a car so that they can get their family around, or, or anything like that. I'm happy to pray about it. But when Jesus looks me in the face and he says, no, you feed them. No, you do it. Don't send them away. Don't pray that they will just, don't use your prayer as just, they can go off and fix it themselves, and I pray that they'll be all good. No, you do it. A few, a year, a couple of years ago, 
there was a guy who, who, who dad had, had um, kind of taken under his wing a little bit and he was struggling and he was in a moment and, and he, ended up, he ended up on our couch and he ended up staying at our house a few nights. And I remember that we would sit down and we'd, we'd pray with him as a family and we'd pray that, that God would really enter his, his situation and really perform a miracle in his life. And I was, happy to, I was happy to sit there and pray. I was happy to sit there and, and, and take a moment to pray. But then a few days later, I was doing something and dad rings me up. And he says, Joel, I need, you to, I need, I need your afternoon. I need a few hours. I need you to come over. I need you to take this guy and I need you to go and do things with him. And, and, and he needs to do a couple of things and I need you to, to take him. And I, and I was like, surely there's someone else. Surely there's someone else that can, can give up their time and, and take this guy and, and, and go to the bank and do all the things that he needs to do. And, and that's, that's it right there. That's where Jesus is saying, no, I don't want you to find someone else to do it. I don't want you to send him away and, and for him to go and fix his problems. I'm asking you to do it. Don't keep looking for someone else to, to fix the issue. Don't keep looking for someone else to, to feed the people. He's saying, you do it. And so I took the time and I, I cancelled what it was that I had. And I started to hang with this guy. And, and believe it or not, it blessed me more than it blessed him. And in the disciples here, a representative, I think, sometimes of us as Christians. You see, Jesus, Jesus is a you do it kind of God. Jesus, and what I mean by that is that when you say you do it, let me show you what that means. Let me show, let me give you examples time and time again of what that means. And you can read the, the scripture and you can see time and time again where Jesus is like, let me show you what you do it means. Let me show you and give you an example of what I mean when I look at you and say, you do it. And we read when Jesus sees the woman at the well. Jesus sees the woman at the well and he sees her. And the first thing he does is he goes up to her. The disciples stand back and think, what is he doing? But he's showing us and he's giving us an example of what it means to say that when I say you do it, I'm going to show you what that means. See, I want to worship a God who doesn't just tell us what to do and expect us to go off and do it. I want to worship a God who shows us what to do. Who is willing to come down and, and, and get amongst where we're at and, and be a part of what we are. And he shows us time and time and time again through through story after story where he is like, this is how you do it. He goes up to the woman at the well. Her life is changed. You see Zacchaeus in the tree. He goes to Zacchaeus' house for lunch. He goes. He doesn't send him off. He doesn't send someone else. He goes. I'll do it. Let me show you that I'll do it. He goes for lunch. Zacchaeus' life's changed. Lazarus. He walks back. He goes back to this time. He doesn't send his disciples. He could have. He's Jesus. He could have sent someone back and said, can you just go over there and just say these words and Lazarus will be raised from the dead. And that's cool. But no, Jesus walks back. 
And he goes. And in that, a life is changed. See, Jesus is the example of, let me show you what I mean when I say you do it. Let me show you what I mean when, I, when I'm saying you feed them. It's, it's, it's an important thing because in Matthew, Matthew 25, 35, it says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit. He didn't say you organized someone else to do that. He didn't say you, you went off and you organized it and, and, and then like you kind of took off. He said, no, you did it. And I think that Jesus today is, for some of us, is saying it's time for, for you. North Lakes, it's time for you to feed my people. It's time for you to love my people. It's time for you to when someone walks through those doors who thinks that they don't deserve to be in church, who thinks that they're not good enough for God, it's time for you to show them that it doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter if they're struggling with whatever it is that they're struggling with, whether they walk through those doors and they haven't slept from the night before, or whether they walk through those doors and they have an issue with gambling or they have an alcohol problem or whatever it is, they're struggling with identity issues. It's not about they need to walk through those doors, church, and think, no, I don't need to go away to fix my problem. This place isn't a place that's going to tell me that I need to leave and go away to fix my issues before I can come back. But this place is a place that is going to help me. We're going to come in and we're going to say, you know what? We're not going to send you away. We're going to come in. We're going to make a seat for you in the front row. And we're going to walk this journey with you. And we're going to be here every step of the way. Because we understand that when Jesus says you do it, it means us. It doesn't mean anyone else because we understand that what we have is everything that they need. We understand that if we turn them away from the church doors, if we turn them away from the love of Jesus, we understand that they they can't go anywhere else and find what it is they need. And if they can't come into church and they can't experience the love of God because we've made them feel, and I'm not saying we as these us right here, but as the church, if we've made them feel like they are not worthy enough, then they will, they will it affects their experience of Jesus. I always say this, that if people's first experience of Jesus was Jesus and not Christians, there will be a lot more people sitting in this place. And Jesus is the example right here where he says, be me, be Jesus to these people. I know that there, in a crowd of this size, there are people that right now can think, I've been praying prayers. I've been praying prayers where I, I see a need, but I'm praying that they'll go off and I'm happy to pray about it. But are you happy? To, are you willing to do it? Are you willing, church? To accept whoever walks through those doors? Are you willing to feed God's people and not send them out to do it themselves? And I believe North Lakes is called to that. Obviously, from the start, we've been a church for everyone. 
It's one of our key sayings that we are a church for everyone. That means that we should be not leaving our wallets on the seat. It means that we should be having to keep our stuff on us because we got people coming in that are broken people, but they feel loved and they feel like they can be here. They're not perfect people. They're not perfect people, but they feel accepted. They feel loved because we understand that when Jesus says you feed them, we know what that means. So after saying this to the disciples, after saying you feed them, you'd think the disciples' response would be, okay, let's do it. But the disciples' response when he says you feed them was with what? They asked, We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Their response to Jesus saying, you feed them was with what? Now, I'm not saying they had a bad attitude. I'm not saying that they, had, they were negative or that they, they didn't want to help. But the thing that stopped them from helping was thinking that they didn't have enough. The thing that stopped the disciples from helping was thinking that they didn't have what it took to help these people. How many times can you think about someone coming to you and you seeing a problem, but you not helping because you just didn't think you had what it takes? You didn't think you had enough time. You see, when, when dad called me up to help this man, I said, I can't. My, my response was, I can't because I don't have the time. I don't have enough time. And, and, and it wasn't about having enough time. It was about being willing to do what God needed me to do. And, and I think that the disciples here, again, are an example of us. Sometimes we, we, see, we see something. We see a need in the church even. We see a position that needs to be filled. And we want to help. We want to do something about it. The disciples wanted the people to be fed. The disciples wanted the people to, to, to get what they needed, but they just didn't think they had enough. And for us, we find ourselves similar in the same situation that we see a problem or we see a need. And our first response is, but I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. We need new hosts. Oh, I can see that we need new hosts or we need more hosts. Not new hosts, sorry. We need more hosts. <laughs> host team, great. Awesome. But we need more because every Sunday it seems that there's not enough or we need more worship leaders or we need more singers or we need more kids um, pastors or kids helpers or something like that. And we see a need, but our first response is, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. And the disciples are, are there and I'm like, God, Jesus, we just don't, we don't have enough. We don't have what it takes to do what you need us to do. And Jesus says, go and find, go and find me, go and find what you can. How much bread do you have, he asked, go and find out. Now, when the disciples went out, they found a young boy who had five, five loaves of bread and two fish. But in a crowd of 5,000 plus, I'm going to say that he wasn't the only person that, that day that had food on him. 
that young boy was not the only person that had food on him. But that young boy was the only boy that was willing to give his food up. You're holding something. Every one of us in this room is holding something. The five loaves that he gave, it says that the five loaves were actually barley loaves. And barley loaves were considered poor man's food. I love this about Jesus. I love this about Jesus that he will take what others reject and he will use it. He will take what others think is poor and he will use it for good and work miracles through it and feed his people and love his people. And there's people here today that you can relate to the disciples. You can relate to the disciples where you think, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. All I have right now is five loaves of bread and two fish. But I'm willing to hand it over. The question is today, with whatever you're holding in your hand, whatever it is, are you willing to to hand it over? Because there were people there that day that probably would have kept the food to themselves because they were scared about letting go. Because they were scared about not having that for themselves. But in holding it to themselves, in holding it to, to them, they missed the miracle. They missed being the person that allowed the miracle to take place. And this young boy happily gave his food. I don't, have, I don't know what I have. I'm, I, I can tell you right now, I don't have enough. But what I do have, I'll give. And Jesus is saying today to each and every one of us that I don't, it doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter what you are holding in your hand. What matters is how much you're willing to give it to me. And allow me to use it. And allow me to do what I'm going to do with it. Church, if we, want, if we want church to grow, if we want to see people experiencing the love of God, then we need to start handing stuff over to Him. We need to stop grabbing onto things and holding things close to us because we don't want to miss out. But I can tell you this, is as soon as you do that, you miss out. You see, I'm not the best singer in the world. I would probably be like there's 7 billion people in the world. I would say that I'd be like maybe like the 4th billionth, 987 millionth okay singer. But I'm willing to give my voice to Him. I'm willing to give what I have. I'm willing to, to give what I have to Him and allow Him to use it. And as soon as I did that, Jesus took what I had and multiplied it. As soon as I gave what I had over to Him for Him to use it, He opened up doors that I could have never opened up. It says that God searches the world just for, to, to find a willing heart. He doesn't, it doesn't say He searches the world to find the perfect heart or to find the heart that knows the most, or to find the heart that, that got a degree and got HDs all the way through their degree. It says he just wants a willing heart. And this example is that the barley loaves, he, he would have, they, that is on purpose that the barley loaves were used because it's a poor man's food. And he's trying to tell us that I don't care what you have. I don't care how little you have. Just give it to me and let me, and let me show you what I can do.
And so he performs the miracle. And 5,000 people are fed of five loaves of bread and two fish. And then there's leftovers. You see, what the, the disciples gave to him, he gave back to them in abundance. They gave him the bread and the fish. He took it, he blessed it, and he gave it back to them to hand out to the people. If you have a little, a little, if you only have a little bit of time and that is what's stopping you from serving or if that's what's stopping you from having people over or if that's what's stopping you from, from being the hands and feet of Jesus, give the time to Jesus, let him do it, what he does with it and give it back to you to give to others. Whatever it is that you have in your hand, whatever it is that you are holding on to, I want to encourage you today, give it over to God. Let God bless it, give it back to you, and then use it to feed His people. Use it to love His people. And this is the example. This is why this story now is one of my favorites. Because there is so much for us. And this is just the surface of it. It's just we need to make sure that as a church and as Christians, this is how we are living. We are, we are not... Uh, send them away people and, and send them off to fix it. But we are a church that has open doors 24-7. That we are a church that people know in the community that it doesn't matter who I am or what I have, I can walk into that church and I know that they are going to love me. That they are going to be there for me. And if you today are holding on to something and you say, you know what? I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. Or what I have isn't good enough for God to use. Today is the evidence of it is good enough. It is good enough because when God takes something and works a miracle in it and blesses it, it will do what He needs it to do. It will be enough. It is enough.